are listening to the First Day Pod, episode 35. Today we have a very special guest, Sue Minch, professional counselor of over 25 years of experience in PTSD, addiction, and more mental health counseling. Sue joins Leanne Hello and Michael Govier to talk about COVID-19 and its impact on mental health in many different phases. Sit back, relax, and get your thinking cap on for the first day pod. Okay, so, hey guys, we are just going to be starting in a few minutes. Um... But we're live. We're here. I'm so, so excited. So when Sue comes on, um, we'll be able to get started with our interview. Um, I wanted to thank everybody um, for everything, for the book club, for the mastermind, for everything that we've been doing on the show, for everybody that's been participating in our lives and watching our episodes and listening to our episodes. It's been phenomenal. Thank you. You need to go fill up your water? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been so good. And so I'll get into, um, before we get started, if you're watching this, because I can't tell what's happening if if people are watching on Facebook or not. Um, I should also say, if you are watching on Facebook and you do comment and you see your comment come up on the screen, just know that I won't be reading that. Mike will be because otherwise, um, hmm. Okay. So sorry. Um, and this exactly is the reason why, um, yeah. <laughs> because I can't do two things at once. Um, so Sue is having a hard time getting in on that link. Well, we're all having a hard time. So yeah, I'm going to do it again. Uh-huh. I'm gonna send it again. Great. Don't say it out loud. People don't care about that. So, uh, yeah, we're live here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. This is the first day podcast. Just got home from work, jumped in the shower in three minutes and out and changed clothes because I wanted to get the COVID off me. And then I ran over here and turned my lights on and everything. And now here I am. So this is all very fast paced. And uh, that's what they care about. <laughs> just catching my breath. So, woo, what a day. Um, today yeah. we have Sue on. Sue is a professional counselor. She's been in counseling for many years, many, many years of experience. And uh, we're going to talk over 25. Over 25. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about PTSD and COVID and mental health and addiction. Anything you want to talk about, the floor is yours to ask questions live as we are live on Facebook Live, Twitch, Periscope, Twitter. And uh, you can jump in and ask questions, and Sue will answer them, honestly. Free psychological advice. Who can pass that up? It's a great opportunity for you. So come join us, and uh, when Sue gets on here, we'll have her. But this is the First Day Pod. You can find us at firstdaypod.protonmail.com. Follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can rate the show five stars if you would like. Always a nice thing to do. Thank Uh, you. It's up to you, though. You don't have to. And... Email the show, follow us, and connect with us. Tell us what you want to hear. What do you want on the next episode? We'll we'll probably do it. If you want us to do it, we'll do it. 
Last week we had Dave Wolf on. Hope you checked that out. Dave Wolf Recovery. Cool dude. Nice fella. Good man. Helping people with sugar and food addiction. He's making a difference in people's lives. And how have you been doing? Good. I just had some beef sticks. Yeah. How have you been doing all week? Because we've been a week officially, right? Has it not has it been? Over a week? Over a week. Yeah. It's be two weeks on Thursday. Oh gosh, time flies. Yeah. So that's when we uh, went to Dave's group and we started fresh and said, hey, we're going to cut out sugar from our lives. So I found these delicious Kowalski beef sticks. They're spicy. They're hot. I like them. They're only 40 calories. They're really good. I strongly recommend them. $10.99 for a big pack of them at Kroger. Quite delicious. Mmm, beef sticks and uh, chicken. Lots of chicken I've been eating. Tasty chicken. So yeah, we're working on that one day at a time and uh, I have a job now. So I work. Last week I wasn't working. Now I'm working. I go to work and it helps me too because I don't want to eat when I'm working. So that's also a positive for me. Mm. So I've mm-hmm. got a lot of good things going for me. Right, Leah? Yeah. 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 So Sorry. What is- I don't know. It's, she says, What not- about you? What's going on with you? What's going on with me? I have been doing really well with this. It's funny. It's the first time that I've changed the way that I'm eating and I feel fine. Like there's, it used to be like if I wasn't going to, if I was going to go no sugar because it was a diet, then I'd be like, all the sugar needs to be out of the house. Don't put it at the table. I don't want to see it. Now I'm like, I'm cutting cake for people in the house. And I'm like, I don't even care. I'm like cleaning the grapes and I'm doing the things and I just don't care. And then, but it's natural that people are saying like, you know, mom or my sister or whatever, they'll be like, oh, it's just a little bit like, it's okay. You're fine. Cause it's, it's not a lot. And I'm like, okay, listen, if I was an alcoholic, would you be making me have like just a little bit of wine sauce on something? Would you be making me have just like a little bit of this? And so the more that I'm like, taking it from that approach, it is so simple. And I feel so good. I've accomplished so much and, um, hmm, I've accomplished so much and it's like, I don't know. And it feels good not to be weighing myself people. So on, I don't know if it was like two episodes ago or when it was, but we had talked about how many scales I have and how often, I weigh myself and how it's like, it's part of my routine and Thursday, I think it was Thursday, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I packed up my scale that's in my room, put it in the closet. I took the other one that I don't use. I put it in the attic. So it's completely like the one in my closet just isn't on the floor in the ad in the closet. It's packed up in a box behind everything else. So it will literally take me like a good five minutes to get out. So I'm not going to be doing that. Um, and I haven't had like any urge to weigh myself except for last night in book club with when Janice said that she's doing no sugar and she lost six pounds in a week. I was like, I wonder how much I've lost, but it was instant. And then I was like, it doesn't matter. This isn't for weight loss. This is for my sanity. So, um, that's right. Yeah. So it's been, it's been amazing. What a journey it's been for Leanne and I, Mm -hmm. I never weigh myself, so I don't worry about that. Yeah. I do, <laughs> but I now it's been oh, so it's a huge deal. So it's, it's been a over a week. Deal. This is probably the longest I've gone not weighing myself in probably over twenty years. 
It's a huge, monstrous, tremendous deal. Yes, of course it is. Really is. Really is. Okay. So, we're so. supposed to have Sue join us. She's a professional counselor, and for some reason she oh we here we go. Yay! Look at that. I spoke of the devil, and here she comes. Can you guys hear me? I had yes. To yes. Hi. I had, I had to do it on my cell phone. For some reason, I couldn't pull it up on my tablet. Oh hey, shoot. You never know. <laughs> I know, right? You're right. here. I said I'm a therapist, not a computer whiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad you could join us. Thanks for joining us, Sue. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Leanne, do you want to introduce? Why don't you introduce Sue properly? Okay, so um, I actually have just met Sue this past week, and she comes highly, highly recommended. And she, this is what I'm excited about. So her background, she's had it's been over 25 years that you've been in the mental health and addiction mm -hmm. arena, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, this is what I love. So I'm going to let her do like maybe a little bit of an introduction about like how you got started and what you've kind of done. Um, but what I'm excited about, what my big thing about having somebody on here is I wanted somebody that was going to be kind of interesting because this is, this is not going to be an overly fun topic because it's very jarring for all of us. We're all going through so much, but uh, Sue has a really good way of seeing the good, like the fun in everything and the, the good side. So it's going to be a fun talk. Um, but yeah, we're going to go through everything PTSD and, uh, cause you've done a lot with the veterans. You're not, um, so how about, I just let you kind of talk about where you came from, what you've done. Why okay. you're here. Mm -hmm. Back in the mid to late eighties, I was laid off from one of my positions at a hospital here and, uh, got a job in a substance abuse treatment program for teens. And what were you doing at the hospital? Uh, I worked at a local hospital for 10 years and on the average of every two years I got laid off. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I was anywhere from a cardiac tech to a secretary to a secretary to a secretary to, um, Mm -hmm. But my clinical assist, uh, um, clinical supervisor for the substance abuse program was just so knowledgeable about his work with teens mm -hmm. and so knowledgeable, knowledgeable about working with families and substance abuse. And I was raising, raising a teenage daughter at the time and how wonderful that can be when you're a single mom and working and going to college and wow. all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there were some fun times there. Um, I learned a lot from my boss and I kind of thought, you know, one of these days I want to run my own program for teens. And many, many years later, I worked in a program for emotionally impaired teens. Oh, wow. And then uh, I got laid off from that job um, and went to work at a school system for emotionally impaired or kind of at-risk students. Oh. And that was after working on what's called an ACT team, assertive community treatment team for a mental health agency, where I had, again, another crazy clinical supervisor who taught me how to meet the clients where they're at. That's huge. And mm -hmm. he always said, you can't work with somebody if you can't build a relationship with them. You can't work with them if you can't get next to them. Right. And so Carl, we all thought, was just very crazy. But after 
a couple of us left there and we got together later we went you know carl was kind of crazy but man he knew his stuff mm-hmm. wow. and um and never forget he had always used the phrase unconditional positive regard and then when i got in my counseling program at western one one of the professors said that i kind of chuckled i went oh my gosh that's this is where he got it from um so I never had really wanted to be in private practice. I kind of thought I wanted to be working with the security of an agency. But as my life goes, I ended up in private practice. And the people I was in private practice with had a contract to work with veterans out of Lansing. Oh. And um, so I ended up doing that work. And that was the most rewarding work. Um, that was the most fun. I still love my guys. I still miss my guys and gals. Mm-hmm. Some of them, we're, we're still in contact. And, awesome. you know, when you say, you know, you have to find the funny, working with my Vietnam vets, because um, I had two brothers in Vietnam. And nice. so I would tell my guys, I said, you can do it. You always find the funny. And I told that to a Vietnam vet, and he said, there was nothing funny in Vietnam. But the second he said that, corner of his mouth kind of curled up. He got this little gleam in his eye and said, there's the funny. (sighs) And I said, you guys couldn't have gotten through that without funny. Yeah. You know, um, back in my darkest days, um, my girlfriend would come pick me up from work and we'd both be crying. And I'd say, one of these days, we're going to look back on this and laugh. (laughs) We laugh our butts off now about what was going on back then. So when I talk about, you know, humor, you know, laughter being the best medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Really I agree. Yeah. So how, okay. So first question, um, where do we find, like, how do you find the funny in going through a year like 2020? Like how, how do we do that? Cause that's, we're a little bit far from <laughs> my view. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, thinking of all these wonderful Facebook posts that people have, you know, made, you know, um, you just do, you look at the absurd and the ridiculous. And again, it's one of these things that, you know, we're going to look back on this and many of us won't laugh because we've lost people. Right. You know, but we laugh down the road at their memory and we keep them near um, when my dad died in 2009, years before that, he was talking about, you know, when I go, I don't want a funeral. I don't want to wake. I don't want anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, you mean to tell me you're going to go and we're not going to sit around and eat and talk about you? No. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will do that. <laughs> you're not taking that away. We did at his funeral. You know, he was 86 when he died. And so wow. he had lived a good life, but you know, you, you, sometimes you laugh because if you didn't, you'd cry. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's yeah. That's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it is. You know, there's not a lot you can say. I haven't come up with the definitive. This is what's going to help in 2020. You do what you can do. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So let's get into, can we start kind of with, because when we, so 
Sue and I talked on the phone and I thought it was going to be just kind of like a quick, like 15 minute, like, Hey, this is what it's going to be all about. This is when we're going on da, 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 and then it ended up being a two hour conversation. And I learned so much from you. So can we kind of first start with what I know it's going into it. It's uh, hard right away at the beginning, but what PTSD is, because I didn't know I was using it in the wrong, uh, Thing. So can you kind of explain what PTSD is for anybody that's listening that might be unsure? One of the best explanations of PTSD that I found is PTSD is a natural response to trauma. Many people will say they have PTSD. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who, because she's been in numerous car accidents, she has PTSD. Um, young children will have PTSD from being traumatized and abused when they're kids. Um, PTSD, when it refers to veterans, and I know we talked about what what is complex trauma. Mm-hmm. Complex right. trauma is being exposed repeatedly to like the same trauma. Okay. So veterans, you know, so soldiers in combat being constantly shelled and bombarded, mm. you know, um, mm. and it stays with you. It doesn't really leave. And the more you try to, you know, like when the Vietnam vets came home, everybody said, oh, you're home now. Forget about it. Even the younger guys, they were told that. Mm-hmm. Vietnam vets especially were told, don't talk about it. Well, wow. if you don't talk about the trauma, it stays in your head and it just sits there and festers and festers. And it comes out in anger. It comes out in irritability. It comes out in, you know, my yelling at your kids, mm. um, yelling yeah. at your wife, you know, yelling at the dog, kicking the dog. It comes out in suicide mm. because mm-hmm. the guys coming home will think that they're beyond help, that no one can take care of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sad that they don't realize that the reactions they get, you know, like a lot of vets can't watch fireworks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I was at a friend's firework display a few years ago on a lake and both sides of us, they were shooting fireworks off at the same time. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, this must've been what it was like to be in a firefight because they were just shooting those mortars off one by one, just right after another. Yeah. And if you can imagine the soldiers being under that fire constantly. Wow. And even the ones that didn't see combat, they could, they were all trained as if they were going to go kill somebody. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so that sticks with you. And if you look at the ages of our soldiers, I think I read somewhere where the age of a World War II soldier average age was like 24. The average age of a Vietnam vet when they went into the service was 19. Jeez. And your brain is, yeah, your brain is still developing at that age. And so anything that happens, you know, the repetitiveness of basic training, the repetitiveness of training to go into combat, the fear that you have of going into combat, it is ingrained in your brain. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when, you know, somebody says something just right, it'll trigger them. Mm -hmm. And just, they don't want to be triggered, but it's a chemical reaction at this point, and they do just react. 
Mm-hmm. So now when you're saying that they need, they do need to talk, who do they talk to? Because like I've had friends that have gone through it and they can't talk to me because I don't, I can't relate. I can kind of say I'm so sorry, whatever, but it's, so who do they talk to? You have to find a therapist who hopefully has empathy for vets, hopefully is a good listener. Mm-hmm. And will not tell them this will be over. You'll get over it. You know, anything like that. Um, It takes finding a good therapist is difficult. And Mm -hmm. some of these guys get tired of trying to go to therapists. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the vets that a colleague had seen, they said, I've been going to therapy for 15 years. And this is the first time I've ever heard whatever it was. I can't remember what was said, but... Mm -hmm it made all the difference, you know, um, what I used to tell my guys at our first visit is this is our first session. We're just going to get to know each other. You know, you Mm -hmm. tell me what you want me to know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they would just want to let all of that out. And other times it took several sessions to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. They would look at me like, you know, why should I be telling you anything? Right. And yeah. I would say, well, I had two brothers in Vietnam. Each did four tours each. And one was a Navy SEAL. Wow. Yeah. I think you can talk to me, mm-hmm. you know, wow. and I have a grandson in the, in the Marines and another grandson in uh, the national guard. Wow. But it's just having some shared life experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I graduated high school when the Vietnam war ended. So I, I can relate to things back then. Yeah. Um, it's in, to me, it's important for a veteran to talk to somebody outside the military in order to get a different perspective. Oh, but so I, not just the guys that you. Right. But it is also important for them to talk to the guys because they have a shared language. They can talk about what happened in November. Um, they can talk about what happened in June. You know, they can talk about January 67 and 68 in Vietnam. And they don't have to go through into detail. Mm. But the therapist may go, gee, what happened? You know, hopefully they wouldn't be that stupid to say that. But, you know, it's not so much what a therapist is going to say to a vet. But it's mm. giving them that safe space to talk. Mm. And if you give them a safe space to talk, they will talk. Yeah. But they have to feel comfortable and it can take months. Yeah. And do you suggest, like I have a, I have a little cousin who's just getting into it right now and I'm really worried for him because he's a very sweet, innocent young man. And, um, I know that he'll do well and he'll serve his country well and everything, but the things that he's going to see, um, I just don't know how he's going to handle it when he gets home. So is there like, do you have to be at a certain point like that you start feeling like you're suicidal or you start feeling like you're going to start attacking your family or, or do you just start seeing a therapist as soon as you come home or like, what do you suggest? Is there like, you have to get to a point before you have to seek out help or. Not necessarily. And thanks for bringing that up because when these guys, a lot of them came home, they were offered two pieces of paper one they signed that said i need help i need to go talk to somebody 
the other they signed and walked out the door to go see their family. Hmm. Now, having just come home from deployment, what one would you sign? Right, of course. They want to go see their family. Yeah. And if you think about it, and and there's a, a great man, Sebastian Younger, mm. who wrote the book Restrepo, and he wrote a great book called Tribe, Why Men Miss War. And he talks about that connection that the soldiers have with one another. And so you think about it, these guys, men and women go through basic training and they're all trained the same way. Mm -hmm. They're all trained to basically react the same way. Mm -hmm. So nothing they do seems out of the ordinary because they're all trained for it. Right. And as civilians, we're all trained the same way. We all react the same way. Mm -hmm. And so when the soldiers come home, our trainings don't mesh up. Oh, wow. Soldiers think we've changed. We think the soldiers have changed. Wow. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's important for them to stay connected to Mm -hmm. their units and to as many guys as they can. Mm -hmm. But it also helps to get that outside perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I would have a lot of veterans come and talk to me because they were recommended by a benefits officer because uh, they filed a claim for a medical or PTSD, whatever. And, you know, the officer would say, well, let's go down and talk to them and see if you need some help. And a lot of them would say, well, I don't know, know why I need to talk to you. I don't have PTSD. <laughs> and I would just say, well, you will by the time I'm done with you <laughs> because mm-hmm. you don't know what it is. Right. And I would right. say, you mean to tell me somebody doesn't like pop a balloon outside in the hallway you're not going to jump 10 feet. Right. Or road rage. Mm. Many of them had that. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my guys uh, commented he avoided driving over manhole covers when he was home. Oh, wow. And after months and months and months of therapy, he's thinking, oh, I can can do this. You know, I can drive over. I can quit swerving down the road. And he drove over a manhole cover and it made that noise. And he's like, nope, never again. Wow. Yeah. So All stuff certain, you don't think about. Yeah. Yeah. Certain sounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it took months for some of these guys to realize, oh, wow, I do have PTSD. Mm-hmm. Because having PTSD doesn't mean you're crazy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're mentally ill. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are afraid that if they're deemed, you know, diagnosed with PTSD, we're going to take their guns away. No. And that's not because you, you have to sign a form, don't you? Like when you have to fill out a pa- piece of paper that says, have you ever been diagnosed with a mental illness? Okay. And the director of the office in Lansing talked to one of my guys, showed him on the form. He says, according to this form or whatever, mm-hmm. You've not been diagnosed with a mental illness, mental disorder. Oh, that's that's really good news because, I mean, I, for one, I'm not a big one for like, like I would prefer if Mike didn't have a gun in the house. Like that's, um, but I would imagine that our vets that are coming home that are like, have now, like you said, you are you've been completely trained very differently. So now any kind of control that you had when you were 
out there, you don't have that anymore here. Mm-hmm. They have the gun. If they're that's taken away from them too, mm-hmm. then they probably feel like, how do they protect their family? How do they? Right. So- and that that's a big thing. They want to protect because that's what they're trained to do. And they will, you know, they don't sleep well at night because if things are too quiet, they Mm -hmm. get concerned. If they hear a noise outside, if they see a shadow, all of those things go into PTSD. Mm -hmm. You know, they have nightmares. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the Vietnam vets, and I think a lot of the younger guys too, but it seemed more prevalent with the Vietnam vets. They have a habit of sleeping like four hours. Oh, wow. Because after four hours, they would get shelled. Wow. And I had a lot of them, you know, 50 years later, 45, 50 years later for some of them, still only sleeping four hours. And I mm-hmm. said, well, you know, what time? He said, I usually wake up around four o'clock. I said, well, what time did you get hit? Oh, yeah, around four o'clock. Wow. Wow. You know, there's a great book out there called The Body Keeps Score and Mm. how your body remembers all these traumas. Wow. And one of my guys said, you know, I was kind of a jerk this September. You know, I don't know what was going on. I said, well, let's go back in the Wayback Machine, Shermie. And what was going on way back in your life in September? And he says, oh, yeah, I got my draft notice in September. Mm hmm. And they say that even just for like us, when you have like a a traumatic death or something in your life, Mm -hmm. that happens too, that there'll there'll be where you can't really put your finger on it unless you think back. Yeah. But you just have that agitation. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I said, you know, I worked at the hospital for 10 years on the average of every two I got laid off. Well, went to work in another hospital like a year later had been there about two years Mm. and I heard my boss talking to her manager and said, yeah, we have a big conference call coming up. And I about had a panic attack. I'm like, that's it. I'm losing my job. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't that it was, but it was, and I hadn't even really been conscious that it had been two years. Right. But my body remembered. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're speaking with Sue. This is the First Day Pod. Sue is a professional counselor. Sue's been doing this for 25 plus years, right? Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> You are old. That's right. Congratulations. You made it. Exactly. You know, not everybody yeah. gets there. So yeah. that's good news. Uh, how do you say your last name, Sue? Minch. Minch. You, for, you forget Minch. the U. Yes. Yeah. It looks like Muinch, but it's Minch. Most people want to make me a city in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Yes. Yeah, all right. So we are uh, talking with Sue Minch about PTSD, uh, really anything mental health related. If you want to pop in and ask a question or two, we have the comments open here. Um, my concern, Sue, is what about now? So mm-hmm. we obviously we understand a lot of the symptoms and the things that people have gone through. And I kind of want to talk about PTSD for not just for vets, though, but what about people who don't even recognize that they had it from other experiences? This mm. is where I get really curious about it for the people who are living day to day undiagnosed and then they resort to substance use because they're coping because mm-hmm. they don't know. First of all, they don't have the coping strategies or mechanisms because they don't even know there's a problem either. So, right. they're you know how it is, Sue. They're, yeah. you know, I, I'm in recovery from opioids, so I know the game. And uh, mm-hmm. so they're they're not. Um, not even aware that a traumatic event is affecting them so greatly and 
it could this comorbidity exist that it, it, without mm-hmm. them knowing any of it. So, so what about that kind of area of PTSD? Well, that's when you, in, in my opinion, you kind of rely on those around you in your circle. If they're starting to say, Hey, you know, dude, you might need some help or you're kind of crazy. Or if you wake up one day and you just feel kind of off, Pay attention to that. Pay attention to how your body is. Pay attention. Are you using more substances than you used to? Mm-hmm. Are you eating more? Are you sleeping more? Are you more irritable? Mm-hmm. You know, um, do other people get under your skin more than usual? You know, no, and, never. I know, right? You know, what? <laughs> me road rage? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just glad I don't have to drive into Kalamazoo anymore, you know? <laughs> um, but I think awareness is key, you know, mm-hmm. over this, we are in unprecedented times right now. Mm-hmm. And even myself over the last probably six weeks, I felt myself slide down this, mm-hmm. like roll down a hill, like a rock and I couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And I have all this training. I have all this knowledge i have all this and it's like Mm. i i could not get out of my own way Mm. you know if you're not keeping up at work if you are isolating yourself Mm -hmm. you know even in this time where we have limited interaction we are still going on facebook we're still interacting with some people Mm -hmm. but if we find ourselves even withdrawing from that and just feeling like we don't care we don't matter that's something to pay attention to and reach out and find help and again you know like we talked finding a therapist can be a uh, daunting task because i always joke you know western michigan university here in kalamazoo cranks us out with a bucket full every semester so there's a lot of good ones in there and there's a lot of bad ones in there it took me probably a good month or so to find a therapist and I just went to him yesterday. I think he's as crazy as I am. So I think this is going to work. You know? <laughs> but it's just, it's recognizing that something is a bit off and being more vigilant in that. And the self-care is important. Very important. Yeah, the self-care is important. That's I agree with that. I, I just wonder, though. Is it too late if you don't recognize that something's off? What if like years go by? How, how there really can't come up with a good understanding of yourself unless you probably get a professional's help. Is that fair to say? Because if you let something traumatic hit you and you don't realize things are off initially and you just go about your business, how are you supposed right. to even know? Right, because you think that's normal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been people who have, were sexually abused as children that thought that they were told that was normal and they didn't learn until adulthood that you mean what they did that wasn't normal mm-hmm. um yeah i think if somebody keeps going through life and they keep having the same problems over and over again you know the definition of crazy right You're insanity yeah. doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results if you go through a few cycles of that and say wow why do i keep doing this you need to sit down and figure out why you keep doing this. Right. right. Why, do you have a certain type of theories that you prescribe to? Or are you just, I mean, are you a so, cognitive behavioralist or are you kind of all over the map or what? I am all over the map. 
I whatever works, whatever works for that client. You know, I have, you know, ask my vets. I used my, well, anybody I worked with, you know, I use my humor a lot. Is that you, is it, you find that opens people up? That makes me real, I think, to them, you know, and it tends to lighten the mood. You know, my, uh, in some of the trauma work that I've done and the work with the vets, um, you know, we always start out kind of light and funny, funny, funny. And then we go down in that pit and we sit there for a while. Hmm. And then before the end of the session, we have to come back up together because I'm not going to let anybody walk out my door still in that pit. Thank you. You know, so you kind of, you have to kind of judge and, and manage the session. So you don't leave anything, you know, in a dangerous situation. But yeah, sometimes humor works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes straightforward works. Sometimes it doesn't. You have to, again, meet your client where they're at. Makes sense. Now, do you think that this is part of why COVID is affecting, cause I feel like it's affecting everybody's mental health. Like anybody that I talk to, it's affecting anybody's, but just at varying degrees, okay. certain degrees. Is that part of it? Like, is this triggering things that we weren't aware of from before? Oh, I think this so. I, I'm hoping one of the, the biggest lessons we take out of this is we learn what is important. Mm. And we learn what we can do without and we learn who's, you know, critical workers and what isn't critical and who in our life can we count on? You know, who do we turn to? I think the biggest problem is we're not in a normal situation and our lives, we want to, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth, but it eventually comes to that middle ground and we're not there now we're our pendulum is like swung off the whole frame um we can't go about our daily lives as we want to um nothing is is as it was and again maybe we needed this shake up to get us to think about things more Mm -hmm. and think about self-care and where we are and trying to be kind to one another Mm-hmm. But again, you know, this is just something that nobody could have uh, planned for to be to that it would hit us all this way. And it would hit us in such different ways. You know, again, kind of linking it back to veterans. I don't think they they can't prepare for what they're going to see when they go into combat and it affects them and it changes them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all concerned about our mental, well, we should all be concerned about our mental health. We should be concerned about what's going on. And it's hard because like you said, Mike, you know, if we don't recognize it, it takes somebody else to point it out. We need to listen to others. We need to be around people we trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, uh, COVID though. There might be people who never experienced unpleasantness in their life, experiencing it for the first time. Right. And yeah. And they're freaking again, out. It, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like someone who's diagnosed depression for years, you know, they 
they know the drill and they've been through it. And to them, if they're isolated from COVID, it's like, oh, okay, I know this drill. Mm-hmm. Um, people who don't have experience with that might be suffering without even realizing it. Is this as simple again as just noticing what's going on? I mean, how do you connect with people who, first off, maybe they don't want to be connected with, even though really deep down they do, but the service level is like, nope. But deep down, maybe they do. Or... They just outwardly say they don't want to. How how can we break through with people like that? Or is or is everybody uh, not always savable? Well, you know, I would like to think everybody's savable. The time frame is going to be different. You know, you might ask them, well, you know, how have you been sleeping? You sleeping okay? You know, do you have an appetite? Um, you know, your your friend said you yelled at him the other day. Where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, others around them can point things out. You know, like um, one of my Marines said about after being in treatment for like, I don't know, how many months. But he said, yeah, my wife isn't yelling at me as much. I'm not, as, I'm not yelling at the kids as much. The dog isn't afraid of me. You know, oh, um, it's sometimes you don't realize what you got till it's gone. You know, then you look back and go, wow, I guess I really was depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, because even myself, it took me a while to kind of connect with, whoa, wait a minute, my, my brakes aren't working. Mm-hmm. And nice. I need to slow down and I need to take care of myself. So for somebody who hasn't had any real traumatic experiences in life, it may take them a bit more to come to the table. Mm-hmm. And then what, so everybody talks about the self-care. Is that What does that mean? Like, that's not just jumping in a tub and having a hot tub with candles what is self-care no it'd be hot tub candles and wine (laughs) um well it's taking time out for yourself one of the great analogies i love using with women that had kids or you know thought we had to do it all was you know if you're traveling on an airplane and you're traveling with some small children and that oxygen mask falls out of the ceiling who are you supposed to put it on first? You or the kids? Right. Mike, Mike mm-hmm. you know the answer? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one. Um, most women would say, well, you put it on the kids. Mm-hmm. Oh. No. You have to put it on yourself or That's you're not okay. going to be able to right. take care of the kids. You right. have to take care of yourself. Right. And a lot of people I've told it's like, you know, if you have people around you that are draining your energy, they're going to drain your energy until it's gone. And then they're going to move on to somebody else. Wow. Where if you stand up and you start realizing, hey, wait a minute, I'm important. And mm-hmm. I need to take slow down. We don't have to go to everything we've been invited to. We don't have to, as I'm learning, we don't have to respond to every Facebook post. You know, we don't have to. Sometimes we don't have to do anything. That's hard. You know, what was the the quote I just found today? You know, self-care should not be about helping you be productive. Self-care should be a reminder that you are more important than productivity. That's a good one. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes we just have to say, no, I'm taking some time. And COVID has kind of forced everybody mm-hmm. at certain points to do that. Yeah. Which has been, so there's been guilt on it too, that we're not being productive. I remember March and April and I'm, 
The same thing happened when the election, the week of the election, I was, I felt like I was right back into March 13th that week Mm -hmm. because I was just watching all the COVID numbers and I wasn't productive. And then I had the guilt that I wasn't productive. And then the same thing happened at the election. I was Mm -hmm. watching all the numbers, not being productive. Um, So, okay. So we can, so big tip is to start tuning into what's going on with ourselves. Yeah, the self-awareness, be aware of those around us. You know, if if the dog is avoiding us, you know, <laughs> um, right. if the cats won't come lay with you on the bed, you know, pay attention to some little things like that. Like right. I said, if, you, if you're doing something more than you used to or if you're doing something less than you used to, pay attention to that, whatever that is. Right. And it sounds so simple, but it's something that like, Going in is one of the hardest things to do. Well, that's, you know, the AA slogan, KISS. That's one of my favorites. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Some of the best things are simple. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, that's true. Yeah. We, but, I, think, I think we overcomplicate things a lot. Right. Right. That's a fact. There's no doubt about that. And. You know, knowing myself and Leanne, we're both two people who will overcomplicate our th- things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've done it many, many times for various different types of issues, whether it's food addiction or mm-hmm. our own relationship even. So mm-hmm. that is true. I know from experience. This is why we talk about this stuff on the first day pod. We we're honest, forthright, clear, and we'd never lie to you guys. And I'm going to always be honest with my stuff because that's what I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you like what you're hearing, First of all, we uh, do thank Sue for joining us. It's great having her on. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email the show firstdaypod at protonmail.com. And, of course, follow the show First Day Pod on all social media and all of our podcast formats. If you're live right now watching us, those who are watching live, thank you for being here. Hi. And if you're listening right now on the podcast later in the week, then thank you for uh, downloading the pod. Uh, Sue, how... How... Oh. Have you? Ha- oh, I would. You had your own mental health problems yourself. Yeah, I've had uh, probably battled depression and, and anxiety. Um, I believe that I have attention deficit disorder, which I didn't realize I had until I was in my late forties when I was in my counseling program. Huh. And we're studying all these things, and I'm like, you know, this stuff sounds really familiar. <laughs> And, you know, that explains why I was sitting at my desk, handwriting, guys. Remember, I'm old. Handwriting my report to turn into class for the next day. And, you know, it it just explained a lot about me. Mm. And I think people have a misperception about ADD and ADHD, too. Um, People with that disorder, again, it's not really a mental illness, um, It's just you think differently, but, you know, it it has a stigma against uh, around it. But people with ADD, and I'm not just talking about myself, but we are rather intelligent. And the problem is we are too intelligent sometimes for our own good. We get Mm -hmm. easily frustrated. We get um, very impulsive. You know, I'm sitting here earlier working and it's like, you know, heck with it. I need a break. So I took the garbage up front to the dumpster. You know, you just you do things on the spur of the moment. Um, and one of the, um, 
uh, experts that I follow, Dr. Daniel Amen, um, made a comment that has always stuck with me. He said, untreated ADD in children and adolescents will manifest itself into depression when you're older. Wow. And I fully believe that. In private practice, I would find people who were chronically depressed and we would start talking about their school history, their education, their impulsiveness, their mm. all of those signs and symptoms of ADHD. And now my license doesn't allow me to test for that. Yeah. I, I kind of go by the, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> yeah. And treatment for ADD does not necessarily have to include medication. It, it includes structure. It includes consistency. It includes... Um, getting rid of the negative thoughts. Dr. Amon talks about the ants, the automatic negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. And he has a lot of good uh, uh, prescriptions, so to speak, in his books about how you rid yourself of those ants. You know, it is there again, it's very simple. You get more rest, you eat better food, you drink water and you exercise. Right. Which are all good tips for us right now too. Exactly. You know, we focus on, you know, my vets will tell you this, you know, we focus on what we can do. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on what you can't kind of the serenity prayer thing. What can I change? What I can't change. Don't worry about what we can't change. Focus on what you can. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of got that back into my forefront of like, oh, yeah, I can't change some of this stuff. We can't change COVID. Right. Mm. Right. You know, veterans really can't change the way they were trained. You know, they're trained to protect. They're trained, you know, so a lot of them in this time are fearful of not being able to protect their family from this enemy that nobody can see. Right. You know, they don't want to leave their house. They don't want to um, go anywhere Mm -hmm. for fear that something is going to be out there. And that is a very natural thing. And that was one of the things that um, I would always try to emphasize with the guys is this is all natural what you're feeling. Right. With COVID, with civilians, this is all kind of natural what we're feeling. We're all scared because we haven't been in this situation before. Put it this way. We should all be scared Mm -hmm. Um, because this is crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm over 60. This is the most craziness I can recall. Mm-hmm. For this long a period, we've had incidents like presidential assassinations. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. said we've had those moments. 9-11 was a moment that lasted for a while, but we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. The light at the end of the tunnel right now seems to be an oncoming train. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Right. the tunnel keeps getting longer. So it's a matter of taking care of us right now. Just, yeah. that's it. And realize there's nothing, well, you know, I, I can't say there's nothing we can do about COVID because we can mask up, we can take all those precautions, but there's nothing we can do to get rid of the virus right now. Mm-hmm. So we focus on what we can do and we just, we focus on that. I had what was almost like a panic attack driving through Chicago <laughs> a couple years ago. Um, have family out in Nebraska. And so I would drive out there and come back. And usually I would try to time it um, to drive through Chicago at 
wee hours of the morning. Well, mm-hmm. I missed it by a few hours. And I don't like driving in traffic. So, of course, I'm coming into Chicago on 8094. And it's traffic. And I can feel it, the anxiety welling up from my feet. And it got about mid-thigh. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? And I'm like, well, pulling over to the side of the road really isn't an option. No. Um, getting off the highway really isn't an option. So what are my options? I can breathe. I can slow my breathing down. Because when we get anxious, we tend to take shorter breaths, which gets less oxygen to your brain, which causes more anxiety. Okay. But I slowed my breathing down. I focused on the back of the semi ahead of me and just kept driving. I didn't pay, hey. attention, didn't pay attention to the signs overhead telling me what exit I was at or anything like that because um, I really didn't want to know, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and I got through it, you know. But there again, you pull in everything and you focus on the job at hand. Because my granddaughter was sleeping in the car, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I couldn't really wig out. Not mm-hmm. that I wig out very much mm-hmm. anyway, but, you know, I just drove. Yeah. You know, in the analogy. Yeah. Wow. That's it. Just drive. That's all yeah. you got to do. There's the yeah. advice, folks. Uh, we have a question. Yeah. <laughs> we have a question about for those living alone and are feeling alone and isolated. Do you have any advice? This is the question. Any advice for those that live alone and are feeling alone and isolated? Oh, you mean like me? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I live alone. Um, luckily, my daughter uh, lives on my property, so I have some human contact. Um, but I am a crazy cat lady. I have lots of them. I'm not going to mention how many if you really have to know. But, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I found myself early in the pandemic watching really weird youtube videos of car crashes mm. yeah how did that hit um, was that good was that a good idea well you know it kind of took my focus off of everything else and it's like you know i would laugh because i'm like i'm never going to be in that situation you know um but then i thought you know i can use my time a little more constructively so i've gone to videos like simon sinek and daniel amen and Brene brown and a lot of other people Um, There again, you have to focus on what you can do. You can call other people. I just talked to uh, a dear friend last night. You know, you you reach out and touch someone, as the commercial used to say, you know. Right. Um, Some of us cherish the alone time. Others hate it. You know, I'm a big live music fan. So that's been taken. This summer, I think there was one gig that um, friends had back in, in the end of June when things were kind of looking a little better. Um, but you connect with people who support you and, and who you trust on Facebook. You eliminate all the other people that don't trust you and you don't trust and you don't aren't supportive. Right. You know, you, you look for as much positive as you can. Yeah. That's a good, that's good for any time, really. Go ahead. One one of the things that I've kind of also used to help me is, you know, everything happens for a reason. We may not know the reason right now, Mm -hmm. but down the road, we'll be like, oh, that's why that happened. 
So mm-hmm. maybe some of us need to be alone right now and think about, boy, when this all breaks, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So taking the moment as is and saying, hey, what is the purpose of this moment in a greater mm-hmm. kind of sense for yourself, those in your life, all around you, and not obsessing over the loneliness or the isolation or what you can't do. So you're kind of saying, hey, why don't we look at what we can do now while we're in this house all the time? Uh, Is that basically it? Yeah, exactly. You know, some people have used the time to purge things from their back room that they haven't seen for years. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't really been able to do that because I've been able to thankfully been able to work from home. Mm. So I haven't been as financially impacted as a lot of people are. I mean, that's making a lot of people angry. And I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter's a waitress. And so she's not working right now. And I get that. Um, but again, focus on what can we do? We can't do anything about things shutting down. You know, we could have months ago if people would have masked up and, you know, stayed home. Um, but now this is what we're, we're left with. Right. So again, we have to switch the focus because negative thinking is addictive. Negative thinking releases chemicals in your brain and we get hooked on that and it will spiral us downward. But doesn't positive thinking do the same thing? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember to think positive. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that like everybody right now is talking about how and it is, it is upsetting that we're not going to be able, like for Thanksgiving, we can't be together for Christmas. We can't be together, but every other Christmas people are saying, I wish I could just have one Christmas that I didn't have to yeah. go to like 15 houses. I yeah. wish I could just have one Christmas that we could just stay home and not have to run and just be quiet. And now we're giving it and nobody wants it. Yeah, it's the old adage, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Yeah, all those years that people bitched about having to go to Aunt Sally's or I don't want to go to your mother's this Christmas. Well, guess what? Right, we're not. (laughs) There we are, yeah. Right. My daughter has joked that, you know, they're saying everybody can gather from one household. Well, she lives 75 feet up my door. She's like, nope, you live in that household. (laughs) You can't come over. I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Oh, man. But it's true. So I guess, yeah, that's a really great point. Just stay, well, not even stay positive, filling yourself with all that and curating your social media. I think that's a huge one that you said, getting rid of the people that are triggering you and giving you all that garbage because um, then you won't notice it as much. Well, it helps keep your mood up. Why do you want to, you know, it's like trying to run with dragging a 50 pound weight you're going to move much faster and be much farther ahead if you cut that weight right i mean i had two long-term long-time friends that i i uh the friendships i established back when i first started college way back in the late 70s um that the friendships just kind of petered out um Mm -hmm. they weren't positive anymore Mm -hmm. and you know uh, as uh, the song says, there ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's just you and me and we just disagree. So, but like that. if it's not helping me, then 
you know, first I kind of look at going, okay, what's my role in this? Am I doing something that is causing issues in this relationship? Could I change my attitude? Mm -hmm. Kind of go through your own checklist of, well, maybe it is me. And then you kind of go, yeah, nope, it's not. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. You check your own house first and then go, well, yeah, no, I'm good. So yeah. A lot of people don't want to do that though. Yeah. As my dad used to say, you know, people are going to bitch if they get hung with a new rope, you know. (laughs) Some people people have to have something to complain about. Yes. Well, that's people who self-sabotage their own lives, too. They just have to do it. They can't help themselves. Well, and sometimes those people aren't used to having things go well. Right. They don't know what to do with things with life when it goes well. And so they Mm -hmm. keep the chaos because that's what they know. Mm-hmm. Right. So it goes for anything. And we, yeah. we stick with what we know. And mm-hmm. the only way we can stick with something new or expand our horizons is the willingness to open up and try new things, uh, learn from others, mm-hmm. listen to others, connect with other people and listen to what they have to say and maybe try it out for a size. Mm-hmm. These are things that people can do. I can do. We can all do. And you know, I mean, I know being isolated for COVID is tough if you're not working and you're just at home and you're trying to fill your day. There, there's a lot of ways you can fill your day if you really wanted to. But if you fill it with the complaints of, oh, I wish I could hang out with people or all the things you can't have, then that's what's going to fill your day, right? It's just yeah. basically what you just said. It's it's really uh, this is this. And mm-hmm. if you want it to be that, then that'll be that. It's not complicated, like you said earlier in the show. So. Yeah. Well, if you say, well, I wish I could, well think about it can you and if you can then work towards that right but if you can't then don't put the energy into it you know um kids that i used to work with you know um they would always say you know what i loved about them you know she made me mad no being mad was a choice you know or they should do this they should just do that and i said well i should be rich instead of beautiful too you know and they would look (laughs) at me like huh i went yeah you know whatever I love it. I have a question. I have a question just because it's come up a couple times in this. And what is the difference? Because I don't know what it is. What is the difference between mental illness and mental disorder then? When you mental illness, uh, from my understanding, you know, you're gonna find it in the DSM five, you know, our little Bible of everything under the sun that could be wrong with somebody. Um, a disorder is, thing, to me, you know, the, the illness is something that is chemical in your brain, like being schizophrenic or bipolar. It is really that strong chemical imbalance Okay. that cannot be treated. Well, some people say, you know, it can be treated more with holistic methods, but well, as a whole, you got to have some pretty good medications. A disorder is something that could be eliminated and again these are my words um in reading from some of the experts you know like dr daniel amen has a book if i can uh, the end of mental illness and it's basically again that eating right and getting rest and taking care of yourself Mm. Um, you know uh, people who you know with add people call us crazy you know there's a really cool Canadian comedian, which is just funny to say, a Canadian comedian, yeah. hey. Patrick McKenna. 
No, I don't You're know. Canadian. You don't know it? I know. Oh. I'm the worst. I am really the worst Canadian ever. <laughs> she is. She really is. I really, no, you're very I, nice. You're I can't right? skate. Yeah, I'm nice. I apologize all the time and I say A and then that's where the line is drawn. <laughs> I can't skate. I don't know how to play hockey. I can't do any of it. <laughs> well, those are the big three anyway, you know, the A and all that. Um, <laughs> but he has some great videos out about, you know, adults with ADD and just the, the craziness that that is, you know, and how he dealt with it. And, you know, you, for somebody who is alone, you turn to videos like that to connect with other people who may be experiencing what you're experiencing. You know, I haven't done it, but you could probably either look up on YouTube or Google living alone during COVID. And there's going to be tons of things that pop up. Yeah, you're right. All, probably. all the things that pop up aren't going to be right for you, mm. but there could be. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you focus on what you can do. You know, in the beginning of COVID, I could go out for a walk. And then that kind of got old after a while. And it got hot out. And, you know, <laughs> that went by the wayside. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, then it's on to the next thing. It is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. This is, this is a, for some people, this is a chance to do all the things you never did, but said you would do. Uh, not necessarily playing a live show or anything like that, but you could play live online to millions of people if you could connect with them. So yeah, you really could do anything you want to do now. It's just in a different format. That's all. So right, it's all slight little adjustments. And this is the time you should cash in. All the people that are you feel alone or you can't do anything, can't go nowhere. This is it. Might as well take that opportunity to do all those things that you said you wanted to learn how to do. You know, learning mm-hmm. a language. That you never got a chance to learn. Of course, it gets harder when you're older, but you know, yeah, it could still be done. It could still be done. So, yeah, I agree with you. I I think you make it pretty simple, Sue, and I like your um, <laughs> I like your approach. Yeah, it's not overly complex, and I think that actually, at least for me, it kind of eases eases me. You know, it probably eases other people too, and I think that's that's a good quality to have. Absolutely. And another thing is, so March, April, when it hit, I went through a lot of guilt because I was watching everybody else do all these things like tearing apart their house and learning all this stuff. And they they like, they did embrace the time off and they did all their stuff. And now that we're kind of going back into lockdown, like this is going to sound really, I don't know. Anyway, now that we're going kind of back into it and going through the winter, we almost have like a, um, like we're given a second chance for that lockdown to yeah. be able to take over. So if there was a list of things that you regretted not doing in March and April and May, you've got your chance again. <laughs> the universe is funny like that. You know, it, uh, the universe gave us the opportunity to get things done that we hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And we, a lot of us didn't take advantage of that. Right. So the universe is going, okay, one more chance. Right. I'm going to add more COVID and winter. Let's see what you do with that. You know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and maybe we have COVID to forget about the seasonal affective disorder. You know. Right. Because we're going to be focused on staying healthy from COVID. We will forget about the, you know, being depressed when it's 29 below zero. You know. Yes. That's <laughs> true. Maybe. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of gloating. My birthday's in January, and I was kind of gloating self to myself, you know, that, wow, my birthday, I escaped COVID this year. Thanks uh, a lot, Stu. Yeah, it's coming up. It's I probably won't escape it, you know. Mm, probably no. not. <laughs> oh, so we get you to blame. Yeah, we do. Yeah. No, I, I, it's my fault that blizzards happened in January. COVID, not my, not my thing. Nope. Oh, nope, nope, nope. just blizzards. Okay, everyone blame yes. the blizzards on Sue. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're talking with Sue Minch. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. This has been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoyed this. Uh, informative. I hope that you all listened to the very end because Sue had a lot to offer. And as we close out the show, Sue. Any final parting words for those out there listening to this? Uh, any, you can go any any direction you want with it. Take care of yourself. Take care of those you can. Be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. You're worth it. Which is something that we don't always um, pay attention to, that we are worth it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Be nice. Or leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay well hey you heard it right from sue's mouth there it is so it's on tape forever now so we can play this back your daughter can play this back for you over and over again if she finds it so (laughs) all right well this for the first day pod Uh, we had sue minch on she is a professional counselor many many years of experience she knows the game inside and out we want to thank her for being on the show uh we want to thank friends of ours who connected us with sue to get sue on the show very very wonderful that you would all do that that's what the show's about connecting with other people to meet new people and we hope uh you know if you don't mind maybe coming back on another time if because uh, really... that'd be wonderful thank you this you know this is one of those things those challenges that you know sometime alone well let's do this you know yeah. this is something new try a new experience this was so much fun you guys made it so easy thank you so much that's amazing. See, that I like to hear that. That because that's what the show's all about. This is two yeah. straight weeks connecting with brand new people that we don't really know and learning from each other in many different ways. So this is a good thing for all of us, all of you out there. Don't forget you write the show first day pod, protonmail.com, first day pod, and all your favorite social media platforms. And of course, you can follow the show first day pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, five star rating, always nice. And that'll do it. So we thank Sue Minch so much. Uh, by the way, we want to wish Dave Wolf, uh, who was on last week, today is his three years free from sugar anniversary. Yay! So congratulations, Dave. That's yeah. uh, that's not an easy thing to do. So this is his actual anniversary day. So we want to send a shout out to Dave Wolf. You can check out Dave Wolf Recovery, uh, sugaraxglobal.com, and of course, triggerfreenutrition.com are Dave's websites. And that's it. We're done. Thank you so much, Sue. Wait a minute. I want to tell everybody about the book club real quick. Just oh, crap. Yes, the book club. That's right. Yeah, I always so, forget this. <laughs> okay, so hopefully you're still here. Well, okay, so you are still here if you're listening to me. So anyway, the next book, we're starting next week. So we're starting on the 23rd of November. So depending on when you're listening to this, um, it's The Power of Now. So I think it's going to be very, very good for us to be reading this through um we're going to be doing it until January. So right through December, right through the holidays. And it's talking about everything that Sue was talking about, about just, we can only do what we've got right in front of us. So stare at that semi in front of you and just keep driving. That's what the book is going to be all about. Um, So yeah, you can join us. You can do everything that Mike just said about emailing, social media ing doing whatever and we'll get you the zoom link and it's really a great group of people sue you're joining us right yes okay oh cool yeah. so yeah, um 
yeah, so it's going to be amazing. And this is just another thing. It's Monday nights, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time. It's an hour, but it's an hour of connecting with other people, um, talking about kind of the same thing, but we're all going through the same thing. So it's a really good hour, especially if you're living alone and you want a little bit of, you know, something to get your mind off of everything that's going on. So that's it. Thank you, guys. We love you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Bye. Bye.